You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined this week, as usual, by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. The world is a better place when Newcastle win, isn't it? Back-to-back league victories, out of the bottom three, and they've successfully dragged Everton into the fight with us. Lads, Tuesday was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't bad, was it? Um... Perfect, perfect night really. Um, we've got some entertaining football. We've got the right results. I mean, the last ten minutes when you're winning by more than one goal, you you're not fully relaxed, but you sort of. That was a nice novelty that we've not had in a long time. Um, yeah, just the performance level. I'd probably say best performance of the season by some distance. I think what Eddie Howe's trying to do with the group of players is coming across more and more as the games go on. It seems you know that there's more intensity we're pressing higher there's of course there's loads of room for improvement but it was another massive step in the right direction and just on touching on being out of the bottom three the mentality that will improve is i think that could do the world good i really do both of you lads were obviously at the game so can speak about like the atmosphere and like how incredible it was to be there but i i was just sat at home on my telly and i was creating my own it was yeah it was the <laughs> i'd have liked to have the seen best. that <laughs> the best I've definitely seen. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely as soon as we came out, I wasn't shouting too soon. Um, uh, yeah, never mind. But um, yeah, it was honestly the best I've felt watching Newcastle in a very long time. Like I I, I was cheering along whenever anyone got into a tackle because um, as Dan alluded to, I felt like we, we wanted it more than Everton. 
and we were really, really up for that fight. But yeah, it was simply outstanding. I don't think the night could have gone any better, really, to be honest. I think all, the only thing we were missing was a, was a Pickford clangor. Uh, the atmosphere before the game, uh, the flag display, having war flags move up, the lasers I thought was really, really nice. I'm sure Dan, you'll have enjoyed that, having your season ticket there. And then yeah, also a huge great. surfer in the Gallagher and just the whole, the whole build-up of the game. But I think Pickford being there, just his presence of him on the pitch... It, it just like the crowd was just more up for it than ever, and I've seen from a lot of Everton fans on on Twitter, especially yesterday, just saying that like they need to do a similar thing at Goodison, which I think that's a, you know, that's a lot of credit for Newcastle. It just shows that you know how good the atmosphere was on Tuesday, and, and just how hostile we made it for them because I think Everton they, they struggled to cope. If we can do that throughout the rest of the season, which I'm sure we will. You know the crowd are going to win this side points alone. Coming into the game, you know, Everton were well up for it. Of course, you know, Frank Lampard had just come in there. They'd won 4-1 in the FA Cup at the weekend against Brentford. We had, obviously, you know, we had the weekend off, that sort of thing. And, you know, I think Everton looked at the game and they probably felt that they were confident about winning. Of course, we felt the same coming off the Leeds game. But it, when we went 1-0 down, I think you've all felt the same. And it was like, Ugh. Here we go again. We, we've caught Everton at the worst possible time. We're going to lose. And then, I think it was 100, 107 seconds... We went and, and replied straight away. So, how do you lads feel about the attitude of the, of the players when we went to goal down? Because I think in you know previous seasons and the previous managers, they would have just you know sulked and would have just you know seen the game out and, and got beat. Yeah, I think it's a complete shift, really, and I I think it might be all right. It's probably too much to put it down to one man, but I think if you look at the body language of Kieran Trippier in particular when we go one 0 down. It's it's him that's sort of like trying to drag the players forward and get the ball on the halfway line as quickly as possible. The cells as well to some extent, but I think that's what the new signings will do. Bring a completely new mentality because in the past it's like like you mentioned, like one nil down. Oh, that's pretty much it, and that's ultimately why we find ourselves in this dire situation. But yeah, for me, that was just one of the many things I liked about Kieran Trippier. He was he was immense. But I'm sure we'll talk about that in greater detail later. Yeah, uh, right. Just to piggyback off, off done exactly again. Um, I feel like I, I I do that all the time. As just he makes a decent point, and I have to um further back <laughs> it up. Um, leadership is something that we've always said we lack in Newcastle United, and. Kieran Trippi has brought that in abundance. It's been evidently clear that um, many play, many people, including Newcastle's greatest ever player and possibly the greatest ever Premier League striker, Alan Shearer, um, has said that he looks like a future captain for this side. And I completely agree. I think it, it, the lads all respect him. I think also the fact that um, Target was in there as well. He, he played brilliant uh, also. I think it does, yeah. It does give them a lift and it does give them an attitude. But that's always been Eddie Howe's like menthos and um, his always like the ethics of his side are right. Well, it doesn't matter how many you score because we're going to try and score you know, three more than you. You're both spot on. There's definitely like a, a, a power shift almost in mentality, and I feel a lot of it does come from Trippier. I mean, look, we went on that training camp to Saudi Arabia. He'd only been with the squad for two weeks, and he was given the captaincy. You know, it, it speaks volumes of you know the the sort of lad he is and, and how he spoke about it in his press conference. I mean, look, the performance he put in last night for me uh, was up there with one of the best I've ever seen at St James's Park in terms of a complete performance. I thought it was a ten out of ten. He, he didn't put a foot wrong, defensively spot on. You know, leadership qualities in abundance, and of course, you know that free kick. You look at 
the the players we've brought in, and there was a lot of controversy about you know are, are these you know all the signings are they good enough? You know the amount of money they've spent, but Kieran Trippier for twelve million pounds—that's ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, he's just an absolute breath of fresh air. He's he's class, like he's class on the pitch, and then obviously we can't get a real insight in off the pitch, but it just seems like he's class off the pitch as well. Like he's he's not coming in and sort of like wanting to rock the boat or anything. He's 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 looks like he's one of the lads. He's mucking in and every little bit he's lifting the others up. And I think some of the clips you hear in interviews and you know inter- interacting with like Fraser in the BT Sport one after the game, like. He, there's just nothing to dislike about him. He's just absolutely class. I've seen loads of Newcastle fans saying that he's the best right back to ever play for the club. Like, after how many games? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I exactly. Pro- I think they're probably right. You know, I can't think. Well, of, I can't think of any better. If we're going on our sort of age age group, yeah. there's we haven't. It, there's no one that comes close, like whatsoever. But then you know, I asked I asked my dad, who's obviously seen a lot better teams than I have and he said there's a chance he could be like he's just that good like he doesn't do anything wrong and the thing is he's good at defending like some of his tackling he was just spot on all game and then he's got so much going forward as well as deliveries are spot on I mean the corner for our equaliser is is absolutely perfect the free kick I mean I've watched that hundreds of times it's just beautiful like he's got everything you'd want in a modern day right back, so I wouldn't be surprised if he is our best right back. I think he's a common influence as well, though. When you you know you watch the defense, I mean, look before Trippier, it's the worst defense in the league by a country mile. But you see, like if you know the cells or Shaw or any of them are in a sticky situation, full pass to Trippier, and you'll find a way out of <laughs> it. You'll always find a solution. That's why you know he's so important to this team. And like we've we've all touched upon there, look, you get leadership, excellent defending. Great passer, set piece take, and everything for twelve million quid. The only downside, you know, to to Tuesday was he did come off with an injury, and it was a, I think he, Eddie Howe said it was a, a slight calf injury, and said it would be a devastating blow if we were to lose him. I mean, I'm not even thinking about it to be honest. I really, really hope that we've got him mm. back for Sunday because I think that would be probably up there with St Maximan for you know a, a huge loss to this side. What do you think, Alex? I mean, if he, if he isn't playing Sunday, then we've got the biggest right-back in the Premier League. <laughs> would you play Dan Byrne at full-back? Is that what you would do? Who else would you rather have marking Philippe Coutinho? <laughs> Dan Byrne. <laughs> like, 100%. Dan Byrne is the man for that job. Like, would I rather have Dan Byrne marking Coutinho or Jacob Murphy? Would I'm not Byrne entirely sure. Or would you not play Byrne at left-back and then put Mancu at right-back? Because obviously Target will not play as it is parent club. Yeah, so uh, it it completely depends how serious the uh, the injury is. I'm I, I'm saying it with a bit I think of tongue in cheek. Right, to but yeah, I I hope he is all right. There hasn't been any like major update from how or any of the other like staff members, and we're we're recording this what on Thursday. Like, well, th- we'll find out tomorrow would... morning. This will be old news by the time the pod will be out Friday night. So we'll probably know from Eddie Howe in the morning what the situation is regarding Trippier. But you know, while we're on the topic of individuals, Jamal Lascelles. Uh, on, on Tuesday was really good I thought as well I think look like we've all said I think Trippy is and you know the addition of Target as well has really really helped the, the confidence of this defence but I thought the cells was, was spot on and you know I, like we, we touched on it before that the, we recorded and we talked about Everton and yes of course they scored but it was you know it was a very very flip goal there was nothing we could have done about it really and other than that I can't remember Everton having any any dangerous chances or Debravka having to make a save I think Anthony Gordon had a one 
um, in the second half where he, he cut inside and and, and had a, a shot, but it was it was comfortably saved. But you know Everton, you know they they can score goals. I mean, look, they got four at the weekend against Brentford, who are mid table. So is is Lascelles and Shaw are they you know are they are they finally finding a bit of form under this team? And you know is that a a selection headache for Eddie Howe if he looks to you know bring Dan Byrne into that centre defence? Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought we all kind of going into the game would have probably rather seen Byrne and Shaw. I think we could all yeah. agree on that. But Lascelles was very, very good. I think I'm not going to hold the own goal against him because there's absolutely nothing he could do about no. it. I think he made one mistake I can think of in the whole 90 minutes. He kind of let the ball bounce on the edge of the box and committed a foul. They had a dangerous free kick, which yeah. fortunately came to nothing. But he was he was fantastic. And we've seen, we've seen him before have run of games... Uh, most notably under Rafa, where he was very, very good and not making any mistakes. You know, we know he's got that type of performance in him. The, the challenge for him now is to to put that into some sort of form of consistency. And if he can do that, then you know, I don't think anyone's ever really had any qualms about his leadership abilities and what have you. So I, I think if he can do that, then of course he's got a headache, uh, Eddie Howe. Um, yeah, for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the the back two. Uh, centre halves for Villa. I think none of them have. Shaw was probably man of the match against Leeds and Lascelles. If it hadn't been for Kieran Trippier and Alan St. Maximin, might have been man of the match against yeah. Villa. Uh, Everton, sorry. So yeah, I'd, I'd 100% keep with them too. Dan Byrne can can wait. Mad that we're seeing that, isn't it? To be fair. Yeah, it's it's mental. It's not something I would have expected to see because Lascelles. I mean, I think he's given away four penalties earlier on the season. He's not. He's had a really tough time with it, and I, there's times where I thought actually for him it might be a good idea just to get him out of the team. But no, I, I think he's he seems to be thriving at the moment, so I'd, I'd definitely keep him in for now. It was really funny that we released the podcast that me and you did last week, Harry, where, where we called for Jamal ourselves to be dropped. Mm-hmm. We said let let's start Dan Burn, let's give him a shout. Obviously, Shah's been the the man that um, was got the man of the match against Leeds uh, 17 days previous so yeah give him give him that shout but um, he's gladly proved us all wrong and as Dan says yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it it's a pretty good way of putting it isn't it I think you know I think everybody like we all said there you know would, would have wanted Dan Burton to come into the team but you know if them two lads are confident centre half Sharon the cells why break it up ahead of another huge game and it's another winnable match as well You've got to consider that, and the midfield debacle as well. Really, really interesting. Cause obviously, it was you know, Bruno uh, Guimaraes didn't start the game. I think Eddie Howe kind of hinted at that in his press conference before the game. Said, "Look, we kind of need to slowly bed him into Premier League football, that sort of thing." I also think the uh, a big thing around that was the lot of travelling that he'd done. It'd been quite a frantic week for him, so expecting to play in ninety minutes, he might have just erred on the side of caution. I mean, it worked a treat to be honest, because I thought. Um, Shelby, Joe Linton and, and Willock in particular were really good. I mean, Willock, he wasn't the best in the first half. This, this It's a carbon copy of Leeds for me with Joe Willock because I didn't think he was good in the first half. And then second half, grew in confidence and was really, really good again. So if he had to, you know, because look, Bruno's going to come into the team, there's no doubt about it. I expect him to start on Sunday. Do you take out Willock? Do you take out Shelby or do you take out Joe Linton? It's a tough one. I think um, I was quite surprised. Uh, I wasn't surprised he was on the bench because obviously I read Eddie Howe's comments and it, like you said, it was kind of expected after after seeing those comments. But I was surprised that he only got like five minutes. You know, yeah. I thought we might have seen him get a twenty minute cameo. I mean, that I don't. I might just be sort of adding two and two together and getting five. But 
the fact that he only came on for the last five and he says he needs to ease him in, I, th I think I think he'll start from the bench again. Uh, he might get 20. I mean, for Eddie Howe, I reckon it went pretty much as he would have hoped because he did, probably didn't want to be bringing him on, you know, as a player to make a difference and try and change the result of the game. He probably wanted him to, to get a few minutes, get the adulation from the crowd and, and sort of introduce him, get him a, in the Premier League. And that's exactly how it panned out. So I, I think... I mean, Willick sort of came off of a little bit of an injury. I, th I think it might have just been cramp, if I'm honest, but that's maybe something to keep an eye out on. Mm. But yeah, I, I think if it's one of them three, do you take Shelby out? Because he, he's probably the one with the least legs in there. I, I don't know. It's, he's, he's been playing well at the minute. That's, that's the worry, isn't it? Well, I mean, other than Bruno. <laughs> yeah, obviously other than Bruno. But if you, if you can, I mean, yeah, I think Bruno, Shelby, Joe Linton. But then you can argue for Joe Linton as well. Like, yes, he's, you know, he's been a revelation in midfield. But he's not a natural midfielder. Yeah, so I mean, he's, he still a plays a bit like a natural midfielder, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Like he, he's. I mean, I think the, it's just mad the fact that he's, we signed him as a forty million pound striker because he's doing the midfield stuff. He's getting stuck in, and then you see when he gets a chance, he manages to somehow kick the ball into his own face. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how he did it. It was weird, but like he's just clearly not confident in front of goal. But he's doing the right stuff in midfield time and time again. So. And also, he's got a cracking engine on him. So for me, I'd, I'd keep Joe Linton in there. I think it's between Willick and Shelby for me. I mean, Shelby, going off a bit of tangent here, but do you think he was lucky to be on the pitch? Yes, on, very. On, when, on Tuesday night? To be fair, I think it's one of those ones where if the ref sends him off, no one's got any complaints. I don't think yeah. the VR would have overturned it. Well, I've seen it, obviously, up over end of the pitch, but I, you could just see him go right through the back of him. and. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? It just shows the thing is, look, if he goes there, we lose that game. Oh, 100%. And, so, um, yeah, definitely. You know, Shelby on his day when it was excellent, but he's still a liability. And that just, you know, that showed there that moment of madness. There was no need to, to do that tackle. You know, no, luckily, not at all. He's walked away with the yellow. So, you know, Eddie Howe, I know he's a big Shelby fan, but, you know, he might look at that and go, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him out. And I think we need a little bit more firepower up front as well and I think Willock is probably the the best at that as, as almost like a second striker because Chris Wood I, I look I, I'm going to give him time because he's been mm -hmm. used to playing four four two hoof ball with a strike partner next to him for as long as he can remember he's been asked to play as a lone striker in a new team you know all that sort of thing but I think it just shows how good Callum Wilson is at leading that line because you know Wood you know, a bit of a non-edit he wasn't he on Tuesday he was, and I mean, the chance he had with that header, I, I just don't get what he's trying to do at all. Like, surely yeah. you just absolutely launch yourself at it, or even take a touch. Like, just it was an apology of a shot, really. Um, yeah, he's he's not had a good start to his Newcastle career, and I think what I'm finding a little bit strange at the minute, like the way we played, I, I loved watching it. I thought the best we've done in ages, but it's not, it's not very Chris Wood based, is it? The way we played no. against Everton because. We tried to press high up the pitch, which is something personally I've been calling for for ages. And I think that's, for me, there was still room for improvement in that because sometimes we were pressing and we weren't getting out quickly enough and they were just sort of bypassing the first the first layer of the press. And I think it's just not Chris Wood's game. I'm not going to sit here and criticise him for, you know, for not being good at pressing because it's not his game at all. So it's, I thought signing him would, would maybe go slightly a different route, but we haven't. So it, it's... Yeah, the jury's definitely still out on him, uh, whether he can be a success or not. Alex, what would you do with with Chris Wood? You know, because obviously, I mean, look, he's going to start, and because there's no real other option. But 
do you kind of sort of tweak the system to maybe get them a little bit more involved or do you say look hang off the last man like what do you, what do you do with them it's a definite difficult one because i completely see where dan's coming from you don't change the system for chris wood uh, like normally because like obviously we're playing this 4-5-1 and if there's a fully fit callum wilson callum wilson plays like that's uh, he's the guy that's there because he's one of the best like lethal strikers at being that on that last man and then doing it so yeah i completely understand that the also the reason why i don't think everton was ultimately his game is because like floating balls in, into the area and doing that isn't really a good idea against everton jo- uh, jordan pickford as as much as we we like to semi jerkily bash on him he's really good at claiming balls out of the air they have yeri mina who's like two inches shorter than Dan Byrne. He's a giant. Yes, he went off early in the game and arguably you could have switched it up, but it was working anyway, so there was no need to. And then um, you've got Michael Keane, who is an absolute lethal force at heading the ball. He's brilliant. That's one of his best things is, is Michael Keane. So yes, obviously, Chris Wood's chance, you, le- you leather it at him there. Um, and we'll probably have to play the same again against Aston Villa. So when there is an opportunity for it, he has to take those, in my opinion. He really just does. He has to wait for his time, and when an opportunity comes across, take them, Chris. Do it. Yeah, he's just got to be a little bit more like I know I'll get bashed for it, but Michael Owen, you know, right place at the right time, poacher. I know it's not his game, but I think he's going to have to adapt quickly if he wants to, you know, even score any in this Newcastle side because, right, we've seen on Tuesday a lot of the players is going down the wings, and I mean Saint Maximan. Can we all just just take a moment because? That performance, that was him at his brilliant best. He, yeah, did he see the compilation of him that some guy made? It was like a two-minute long thing, and he's just running rings around them. You don't realise when you're there how good... Obviously, look, we all know how good he is, but when you get home and you look back at some of the stuff he'd done in the game, it was like, Christ, that's all in one match. I mean, his, he didn't get the assist for Fraser's goal, but the turn of foot when he got down the line just to knock it in and he ruined Seamus Coleman. Yeah. And, like, how much is he worth? Because I'm, I'm thinking at least 80 now, you know, after that performance. I mean, on that performance, yeah. He's doing can do that, that every week. Every, yeah, of course. Um, and also, there's no reason to sell him now, because I'm sure he's, I mean, providing him to stay up, fingers crossed. There's no reason for him to leave, because he's got what he wants. He's got a bit of ambition, etc. and yeah. new lads coming in all the time. But yeah, I think first half, you know, that he had a few difficult moments, didn't he, where he lost the ball. But I mean, that second half performance, that was right up there with any winger we've seen this season really I mean just at some of the times it looks like he's in a tight space and he just sort of drops a shoulder or just cuts and, and he's lost them he's so quick in that little those little movements to get around someone it's just ridiculous and I mean he would have he was denied a fantastic assist by the post you know when Murphy went through that yeah. would have just been that would have been amazing I mean the only thing the only thing in the second half anyone can really criticise him for is he didn't pull the ball back for either Chris Wood or Bruno yeah. uh, late on. But, I mean, we're 3-1 up. He's had one of the best performances of a second half out of anyone we've ever seen. I think he was well within his rights to have a shot and try and get on the score sheet himself, to be honest. I think also with, with St Maximan is he's you know he's playing the ball instead of just trying to take everyone on and mm-hmm. score. I think a lot of that's down to the new sign as well. He's got a little bit more quality around him. He doesn't feel that burden's on him to uh, you know, take every single player on. And, and yeah, he's and picking score. the ball up much higher up the pitch, I've noticed as well, which is just, it's because he's always had the ability to beat one or two players and then he sort of 
either runs out of steam or runs out of ideas. But if he's doing that at the edge of the box, then he's in the box. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen that time and time again. Like you said, Seamus Coleman will not want to see him again in a long, long time. That, for me, him getting the ball higher at the pitch is just really, really good news, I think. Obviously, a lot of that's down to Matt Target as well, being like a really, really solid left-back. Because, obviously, with, with Matt Ritchie playing there, like we've had for like, mm-hmm. most yeah. of the season, he ain't a defender. So, like, you, you don't expect Maxi to get back because, look, he, he shouldn't have to. But, obviously, you know, he naturally drops deeper. And then that means mm-hmm. we suffer going forward. And Alex, I don't know whether you've seen it. It was, I think, it was, it was match of the day last night, and Mika Richards turned around saying that he'd hate to mark him as a right back because you just don't know what he's going to do. It's you know, if if you if you show him right, he goes left. He, you know, he, he can do it all. Like, how important is he to the side? And look, I, I know he is somewhat injury prone, but if we were to lose him, it's not even worth thinking about, is it? Because he's so important to this team. No. Um... Don't even put it out in the atmosphere because it'll happen tomorrow, and um, I, I, I'll cry and really, really get angry at you because it would be all your fault. Um, yeah, no, of course. And every Newcastle fan, I will, I will actually put it out there. This is all your fault if yeah. it, if it happens tomorrow. Um, but the the only thing that I can I, I can really do is because I, as you boys know, I, I I live my life in numbers. I'm quite sad. I'm quite anything like that. <laughs> He's got them. Um, Come on. I've got them. I've got them for Alan and Maximan on Tuesday. Dan said it was the best second half performance um, that he's seen in a winger this year. The numbers actually back it up, Dan. So Fantastic. there you go. The numbers back it up. He had the most dribbles in the second half by a winger this season. He had the second most touches in the second half by a winger this season. He had the most key passes in a Newcastle United shirt in one half. That was three, by the way. They were all in the second half. Um, obviously, yeah, yeah. The only thing was um, he was down fourteen. He was down in fourteenth place with the most fouls won. But that was because fouls were coming all over the park. He only won three fouls against Everton. That was because that's because they couldn't get near him. Exactly. Exactly. Anthony Gordon brought him down early, and then Craig Parson brought out the book, or whoever was referee brought out the book, and all the Everton boys got the message: if we bring him down, we're all getting booked. We can't have that today. Um, he won 14 jewels. That's his most this season. He never normally wins individual 50-50 jewels. And that is his weakest part of the game. 14 this season. Absolutely unbelievable. And as I already said, 52 touches in a Newcastle United shirt. That was the most out of any player on the pitch. While we're talking about stats, Bruno, I know he had a cameo of about six minutes, but I'm sure his stats were like off the scale for, for, for the how long he played. I mean... How great was it when we were keeping the ball in the corner and the Gallagher? He's got <laughs> Deli Ali marking him and Bruno cheeky little back heel to Joe Linton. You could just tell in that, that first few minutes how good the lad was. I think he won two tackles. He played a great ball through to Maxi. He was unlucky not to score. If he's doing that in six minutes in a Newcastle shirt, I, I just can't wait to see what's to come. I mean, are we going? To, am I going too early by saying this after considering I've seen him play football in the flesh for six minutes? But <laughs> he is going to be one hell of a football player yeah. for Newcastle United. He really is. He just oozes class. I mean, I, I want to see him. I want to see him every game. Like, and but then at the same time, the lads that are in there now don't deserve to be taken out. So I wouldn't be too angry if Eddie Howe if he if he kept them back on the bench for Sunday. But yeah, what a footballer, Alex. Have you got? The I stats? definitely no. I haven't got the stats. I deeply apologise. Um, it's very rare that I don't actually have the statistics. But the only thing I do have is that um, he got a better higher rating by playing six, six minutes than he did, uh, than five Everton players did, which is very, very, very funny. <laughs> which includes Jordan Pickford, actually. Jordan Pickford hey. got a lower rating than Bruno Gomeres. Um But 
no, um, I would be very annoyed if he was on the uh, bench on Sunday because he literally is the definition of a box office footballer. Every single fan was on their feet. Every single fan loved him. And we haven't had that since we signed Alan St. Maximan. He is brilliant. I think yeah, you've got to start him, to be fair. He's a £40 million player. He, he's coming to play week in, week out. I think it, there's no point in... Look, it might be harsh on one of them, but he's got to play. And I think he's going to play a massive role as well in, in stopping Felipe Coutinho. Because I don't know whether you guys caught the uh, the Villa and Leeds game last night, but he ran the show. What a player he is. He's still got it. And we're going to need a, a proper holding midfielder to stop him from breaching that defence because... We're going to be made to pay for it. I mean, I don't know whether you did you did catch it last night, but look, I think Villa's going to be a step up from from the, mm-hmm. the Everton game in terms of personnel. But Leeds scored three goals against them, and they didn't do a lot against us. And I think we've probably got a better team than Leeds, and we're in much better form. So I, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm quietly confident about Sunday. Yeah, I didn't catch a lot of the Villa game yesterday because I chose to watch uh, Norwich Crystal Palace. But obviously, it was a late uh, kickoff, wasn't it? So I caught the last 15 minutes and I just, I think when I switched it on, Coutinho was getting taken off and I was just, please be injured, please be injured. I'm guessing he's, there's nothing wrong with him, is there not? I think they said it was just a um, it was cramp or something, so I think he'd be, oh, be alright for such a shame. Yeah, no, I think Villa, I mean, Villa have got some really, really good footballers now. I think Buendia, Watkins, Coutinho, all capable of causing problems I didn't see the game but I've been impressed whenever I've seen Ramsey this season as well yeah. Jacob Ramsey's a good footballer and you know they've got solid midfielders as well Louise McGinn they're all solid footballers I think for me though there's, we can try and go toe to toe with them um, because you know obviously Conte got sent off yesterday so they'll have an understudy coming in to replace him in my opinion Tyrone Mings is incredibly overrated Yeah, I just don't I think he's a bit of a liability at times, to be honest. So I think we could have some joy up against the defence. I know they've got decent full-backs, but yeah. The fact they conceded three, like you said, to the Leeds team that we kept a clean sheet, it does suggest there is frailties to be exploited. And the form that we find ourselves in, I'm hopeful. Um, it, before these two games, I would have snapped your hand off for four points. I'm guessing you would have done the same. Mm-hmm. Would you take a point now for Sunday? No, I wouldn't. No. To be fair... I think no, it's, it's a weird not. one because I know we've not lost a game like this calendar year. And that can't be right, is it? Apparently we've. No, I don't. I don't think we have. Other than Cambridge. Yeah, in the league. <laughs> Cambridge doesn't count. I mean, it, I'd guess it'd be a bit more uh, impressive. I've, we've uh, we've only played three, but still unbeaten. Yeah, other than Cambridge, it's probably our biggest, longest unbeaten run of the season. So we'll take that. Yeah, I think. Look, if you're. Like I watched Norwich play Palace, like the the highlights last night, and look, Norwich had a shot on target, one and, and and got a result. And Palace, no, you know, I would say Palace are similar to Villa in terms of quality, you know, and that sort of thing. So I think at home against those sides, Batmarf, you need to be winning. I know Villa are a good side, but look, team, they are, they are beatable. I mean, Leeds got a point against them last night, scored three goals. You know, Brentford have beaten them. Look, I think, I think. I, I don't know whether it's just me rose-tinted glasses, but I seriously think we can win on Sunday. I don't know what you think, Alex. Villa haven't won at St James's Park since 2005. Oh, really? Don't say that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was that the um, Boyer and Dyer uh, game? No, it was the Boyer and Dyer game. men that day, so no wonder they won. Um, <laughs> and obviously, if we beat Aston Villa, it will be the first time since 2018 
Newcastle have won three league games in a row. That's unbelievable. Is that that's <laughs> four years? Jeez. That's not very good, is it? That's 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 bad. really that's bad, shows, boys. Doesn't it? That's that's really really bad, boys. But no, um, yeah. Let's not beat around the bush. Aston Villa are a very very good football team. Um, yes, the the Tyro Mings bashing is very correct. Um, the word I would use to, uh, to definitely say Tyro Mings is a liability is he's gangly. Um, like, and gangly versus Joe Linton, Bruno Gomeres, John Joe Shelby, and definitely Alan St. Maximan is, is something I very much like. Um, and Luca Digne didn't like facing Alan St. Maximan when we played Everton earlier on in the season, and he was still an Everton player. So I can't imagine him liking playing in an Aston Villa shirt either. Um, and Matty Cash, yeah, he's, he's not going to be absolute house money against us either. So, yeah, um, I'm quietly confident, but um, to answer your earlier question, Harry, I would take a point. How do you stop Coutinho and Ramsey? Alex, I think you're probably in the best position to say this. Because, I mean, the logical thing for me would be just to start Bruno. Yeah, you, you start Bruno Gomerish, um, but the... It is extremely difficult to stop a player like Felipe Coutinho because if you have, say, for example, you go the tried and tested formation that Watford use, for example, um, which is four back, four backs of four and then two players up top, and you use the counter-attacking system, which is Chris, um, sorry, Roy Hudson's famous tried and tested system. Um, Coutinho is absolutely an expert at picking the holes in those pockets and did it for fun when he was a Liverpool player and a Barcelona player. He it looks like he's doing it for fun as an Aston Villa player. So. For me, the way to eliminate a player like that is you man-mark him. But if you man-mark him, Felipe Coutinho, um, you are essentially taking new, one of Newcastle's best players out of it if you're leaving Bruno Gomerich on, yeah. on him. Um, it used to be, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, it used to be Isaac Hayden's very favourite job, which was to mark like a player like Felipe Coutinho, Bruno Fernandes, um, and completely take them out of the game. I don't think we have another player like that um, that can just man-mark somebody so indefinitely and not make sure that they do anything. Maybe Matt Ritchie, but he's a yellow card on ice, really, isn't he? The answer is, uh, Harry, I don't really know because it's extremely difficult. Because even if you stop him scoring, he might assist. It's the little intricate passes he plays, man. And the fact that he can bring in a player that's so hot, as Dan said, and so, so good this season... His starlight is really, really great in Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, it, it is going to be very difficult. But on the flip side of it, we're a danger going forward too. Yeah, I think that leads us quite nice on our predictions. You know, how we like to always end the podcast. Dan, I'll go with you first. Villa at home, Sunday. Three in a row, do you reckon? Not quite, but we'll remain unbeaten. I'm going for, I reckon it'll be 1-1. One, one. Like, see you going along the same, or are you going for three points? Um, I've talked myself into it. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Newcastle United. I don't know about this game. I just feel it'd be too good to be true for Newcastle to win again. So I'm gonna go two two. I think it'll be a high scorer. You know, Villa are a good size. We're gonna make it difficult for them atmosphere wise. They've got a lot of quality, but so have we. I think I don't think a draw, a draw would be disastrous as long as results go our way. But look, we're at the bottom three, and as a, as a parting question. You know, you look at the result on Tuesday, and if we get a positive result on on Sunday, especially, is that going to be us waving goodbye to the bottom three for good? If we win on Sunday, I'd be a lot happier about saying that. But for now, I think we just need to keep doing what we're doing. I don't think 
I think we've got a lot more quality than teams in the bottom three. If we can get any sort of real gap between it, you know, we need to be looking up rather than over our shoulders. Um, but I'm not, I'm not prepared to say that just yet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, especially looking at our uh, run of fixtures after Aston Villa with West Ham, Brent, um, Brentford away, Brighton at home, Chelsea away, and Palace at home. Um, yeah. Uh, we're in for a difficult March and the rest of February, I must say that. So come back to me in, in March and see, see if we've um, hit the bottom <laughs> three again. Thanks, lads, for coming on. And, you know, we'll be back next week, hopefully, after another Newcastle win. But this is the Time War, brought to you by Valve UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, the rest of the Premier League, the AFL, you name it, we have got it. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.